you're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Moutier, and I'm here today with the author and speaker, Louis Goudema. How have you been doing, Louis? Good, Ray. Thank you for having me on the program. It's an absolute pleasure. So today we will be talking about Bullseye marketing framework that you have developed. But before we go into detail, can you please tell us a bit more about yourself and your journey in the marketing world? Sure. So I owned and ran a marketing agency for about a dozen years. We did a lot of work. This is from 98 to about 2009 when I had an exit from it. I sold it. We did a lot of work with IBM, millions of dollars of work with IBM, Boston Globe, EMC, other major companies. And then we pivoted and became a SaaS web development agency with our own content management system because I wanted to have more of a recurring revenue model. Sure. And that's what gave the company a lot of value when I sold it. Then I was VP of business development for two other mid-sized agencies working with large companies and and some SMBs, but companies like Philips Healthcare and other major companies of that sort. And uh, the last four or five years now, I've headed up again my own consultancy and agency, Revenue and Associates. And we work with a, a range of companies from startups to multi-billion dollar companies. One of the services we provide that probably would be of more interest to some of your clients or your audience is working with companies, software companies, on empowering their channel partners. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's a big issue. A lot of companies, they may have a, a few great partners like Accenture or Adobe who are you know, terrific and, and really nail their marketing and know how to go to market, but they yep. may have dozens or hundreds of small and mid-sized channel partners who actually aren't very adept at their own marketing and uh, could drive a lot more revenue for that company, for the software company, if they were stronger at that. And so that's something that we're one of the ways that we work with companies. Well, you know what? We, we will need to set up another session just to speak about that, I believe, because this is such, I guess, a pain point. I don't think it's a problem as such because everybody is already, everybody's having solution to it. But you are right. Empowering partners, getting partners to do something. And we also feel for the partner when we work with them and we work very closely with quite a few partners, distributors. So these are the traditional, the traditional channel or OEM type of partnership. And it's difficult for those guys. It's difficult to move the needle and getting support is, is really important. And powering them is very important. Taking their hands and helping them to close business is also very important. So I think we should keep that on the side and really have a full on conversation. We, we, we will contact you again, Louis, to, to set up another podcast on that one, because this is a subject that we are really passionate about. And as you said, this is a subject that is, is probably extremely interesting for some of our audience. And, and we know it because we talked about it every day. We, we speak about it every day. Well, it is one of the areas where, you know, my, the bullseye approach, you know, which is what my book is about, the bullseye marketing approach really yeah. is applicable to a lot of those companies. And it, it's really a a framework for them to start to kind of an on-ramp to modern marketing for companies that, that aren't really doing it yet Absolutely. And, or aren't doing it very effectively or fully in the way that some of the venture-backed startups or the uh, software enterprise companies are doing it. I'm glad that you speak about your book. So Bullseye Marketing, the, the book that you recently launched, 
from our perspective, ex essentially explain the framework you've developed to generate quick wins for small and mid-sized businesses. Okay, but can you please take a few a few minutes to to tell us more about the the bullseye marketing framework? Sure. So let me uh, just give you know for one minute give a little background of why I came up with it or how I came up with it. You know, Ray, the marketing landscape, the marketing world changes very very rapidly, and what worked ten years ago may not work at all today, or even what was working five years ago. And what I was seeing was that approaches like inbound marketing or social media, organic social media marketing, were not producing results for many companies unless they made extraordinary efforts mm -hmm. in those areas. And, and then as I did research on it, I saw all sorts of data around this too, around how the, the search world is narrowing more and more. Google searches narrow more and more around a few major brands, a few major companies in, in each industry, how starting in 2013, the social media platforms radically reduce the amount of exposure that they give to the organic posts from brands. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whereas uh, five years ago, 10 or 20 percent of followers might have seen the organic posts from a company. Today, it's more like one or two percent. Yeah. And, and so those channels weren't really driving results for companies, but other programs were. And, and I was seeing in a lot of these channel partners or a lot of small and mid-sized companies and SMBs, or as they're often called in Europe, SMEs are the heart of the economy. There's, in the U.S., there's more than three times as many people working for SMBs as there are working for enterprise companies. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge, huge part of the economy. And yet I was seeing how many of them had really underinvested in marketing and the marketing landscape had become so complex, they mm -hmm. really just didn't know how to get in the game. So the bullseye approach is a three-phase approach to ramping up a marketing program and getting to the point where the Adobe's or the, you know, the Drifts or the HubSpots or the venture-backed software companies are. Mm -hmm. And so in the first phase, companies take advantage of what I call their existing marketing assets that many companies don't even realize they have. Absolutely. That's very true, that. And so, for example, one of those and the really sophisticated marketers who are listening to this will say, well, of course, and yes, of course for them, but not for, frankly, from the research I've done, not for 80% of the B2B world. So, for example, e email marketing lists are a, a hugely po powerful tool for companies, and yet many companies very rarely email, have any segmentation, have any regular email program. Kinsey says that email marketing is 40 times more powerful than social media, which has been my experience. And yet you see this being really underused. You have websites that don't have strong messaging, don't have any calls to action, don't have conversion opportunities. And so almost everybody who comes to them, you know, they come and go and, and the company has no idea who they are or how they can start to engage with them. They don't have account-based marketing uh, programs. They don't have strong alignment between sales and marketing within the company. And so all of these and more are the center of the bullseye programs that I talk about in my book that can make really big differences really quickly and inexpensively. These aren't things, an email program doesn't cost a whole lot to do. You can get a, you know, a tool like MailChimp or Constant Contact you know, for 10,000 email addresses, you can send as many times as you want to for less than $100 a month. 
Same thing with making improvements to the website or adding conversion opportunities or calls to action don't tend to be very expensive at all or improving sales and marketing alignment and and even doing outreach and, and targeted account programs. A lot of those are really inexpensive or free. And, and companies can see results from those in, in weeks or months, whereas a program like Inbound or Organic Social, they may not see results for, frankly, years. Then in the second ring of the bullseye, you use intent data to target the companies that are in market now. Because our markets are much smaller than we think, because maybe only 10% of our target market is actually looking to buy what we're selling right now. Okay. And, you know, Ray, it's very hard to sell to someone who doesn't want to buy. <laughs> yeah. And so using various types of intent data to really hyper-focus the marketing programs around identifying those companies that are in market now, whether that's through search advertising, you know, and, and based on their search behavior, or whether that's through tracking how they're interacting with you and your content and your website, or using third-party intent data, using that to go after the best opportunities to close soon. Mm -hmm. And then in the third phase is where you do the long-term awareness and brand building programs like display advertising and social media and inbound marketing and blogging and, and so forth that can produce results in the long run, but are not where most companies should be uh, focusing their initial effort. Absolutely. So that's the, that's the bullseye approach. And in the book, you know, in just the first couple chapters, I lay that out, but then I go into a lot of detail on about 20 different channels with lots of best practices, tips, and examples from small to very large companies, how they're doing successful email marketing or account-based marketing or search advertising or these other programs. And that's very important because at the end of the day, you will be surprised about the number of people who are telling us we have an account-based approach. Some people call it account-based selling because it's driven by sales. Some call it account-based marketing because it's driven by marketing. But it's actually it's sometimes a bit disjointed. You have a good sales guy doing some good work on his account, but he's the only one out of a team of 10, 10 individuals. Or you will have a good marketing person that will actually do some fantastic work in identifying intelligence, identifying interest, but then that marketing person will need a sales person to follow up on that interest. We've seen a, a, one of our clients, I won't mention their name, having 15 touches, so 15 responses through different elements. So it could be some of them was direct marketing. Some of them was people reaching a certain score within their, their marketing automation solution. And some mm -hmm. of them was participation to event. But basically, over a three-month period, that 15 touches, 15 unique. So it was 15 different individuals in one large big bank. Okay, a big bank that you know about, everybody knows about, but it's a very big bank. And the problem that they are is that their inside team or their field sales team or whoever could see that data was doing nothing with it because they were... Their perception was that the level of individual making those touches, this level of individual showing interest was too junior in the organization. They mm. were you know, technical people, if you will, because we, we, we are in the B2B software world. And they just looked at them on a very individual basis. So when we realized that, we just said, well, look, there is something going on. You know, we, we looked at the data and we always try to make sense of the data. So, and we turned that around. So we turned it around by saying, okay, we had 15 different indications that someone in that company is looking into something. That's either a massive coincidence, right? And it's, it's a pure <laughs> code of luck, 
or in the 99% of the case, which is, you know, it's that someone at the top is looking at something that goes down into the, the organic run, that goes down into the organization, and someone at the bottom is doing some research on that thing. Basically, what we managed to do is to go back up the organization to end up with the C-level person that was making a decision. And basically, we approached them with a very soft approach by saying, look, we realize that lots of your team are doing some research. They all seem to be researching the same thing. It's all great, but we thought that we will come to you. There is clearly an intent to solve a problem. Can you tell us more about your problem? And what we are able to do versus, you know, for, for that vendor that we worked with is actually to plug their sales team with that C-level senior person at the early stage of their fact-finding, solution-finding journey, okay? Mm -hmm. Which meant that they were able to influence the rest of the sales cycle, okay? So I guess what I'm trying to say is that all those elements are important, but there is also that interaction of sharing the information and most importantly, as to your point, is how do you do it? And I think there is lots of content for marketers, for salespeople that speak about account base, advertising, and everything. But they don't actually tell you what's successful. They don't really tell you how to do it. You've got to buy something else to do it. So I believe that it's very important to, to give some practical advice rather than just speaking about the theory. Yeah. And I'm glad and you've got it in your book because that's, that's really make a difference for, for your readers, I believe. Well, that's, and you've given a great example uh, there of, you know, something that would be in the second phase of the bullseye, the second ring of the bullseye, you know, seeing that intent data of 15 different people coming to your website from the same company, yep. seeing that surge in interest at the company, and then acting on it. And, you know, this, you know, I'm, I'm sure since I've been on the agency side, essentially my entire career, and you're on the agency side, you get insight into how a lot of different companies operate. And even um, very large companies can have lots of challenges around lots of these programs. For example, I was working with a software company that was around a $300 million company, and they had great misalignment between sales and marketing. And, mm -hmm. you know, they told me that it typically took one to two weeks for sales to follow up on a hot lead that marketing would send over. That you know, this, wasn't, this wasn't someone who had downloaded a white paper. You know, this Some, was someone yeah. who said, I'm interested. Sure. And, you know, that lead is dead at that. Well, and it's uh, upsetting. It's like, I mean, we, we've all done it. We've all gone onto a website and asked for something. It could be a callback. It could be something, whatever it is, you know, let's say a callback, like a very minimum thing. If you don't get that callback quickly, it does upset me. And if I do it with two or three different providers, whoever called me back first is likely to get my business. Because oh, absolutely. I want that. Right. I mean, I'm completely different from business, but I'm doing some work on my house at the moment. Right. And builders. Fantastic. You know, we've got we met some builders. They all do some fantastic work. They've got all a, a fantastic portfolio. Two of them are terrible at communicating. Two of them almost make me feel that they don't want our business. They take a long time to respond. And I think it's very important to well, strike the iron when it's hot. But I guess that whole conversation that we're having right now is leading me nicely to my next question. And what I want to talk to you about, Louis, is around return on investment. It's about, you know, you've seen through your career and, and through what you are doing and through, you know, the idea behind bullseye marketing. I'm, I'm sure you've seen lots of people implementing all the strategy effectively and working effectively with their sales team. But what should be the expectation in terms of, from, from, from the perspective of return on investment? How do you measure and do you have best practices to share in terms of what should be expected? 
Sure. So let me just uh, say one thing before I talk about ROI. And that is about what is the biggest challenge for companies who are undertaking, you know, this or, or similar efforts. And that's really executing. And so, you know, I can come up with the strategy, you can come up with the strategy, but especially if a company is just like a channel partner, hasn't been aggressively marketing and realizes they, they do need to market, but at the same time, they need to make a commitment of some resources, which often may not be very much. It, it may be just a, what seems to us like a small amount of time to review and, and give their input and approve and so forth. But the execution is where so many companies fall down on this, even on the very simplest things, as I said, like a company that takes one or two weeks for sales to respond to a good in, inbound lead. In terms of the ROI, so you know there are companies, uh, startups and smaller companies, which like some of the uh, channel partner size companies, where we've increased revenue dramatically in just a year or two, like doubling or more. There are other companies situations where part of the beauty of the center of the bullseye is that those programs cost almost nothing, as I was saying before. And so the ROI, I've worked with companies where email became their number one channel for new leads and sales and you know cost them almost nothing, where they improved their website and added conversion, you know, added calls to action and improved the conversion and immediately immediately doubled the number of website leads that they were getting. I'm a big, big proponent of direct sales outreach, of marketing and sales, whether you call it account-based marketing or account-based sales or, or whatever, targeted account programs. But mm-hmm. where you, you say, here are the 25 or 50 accounts that we're really going to go after and working on the research and then approaching them with you know, content and materials and, and ways to get the appointment, ways to get in the door. I think for many B2B companies, that can be one of the fastest and most cost-effective ways. And, and that's been my experience in working with companies to generate more revenue. Yeah. So you know, part of the, the beauty of the uh, bullseye approach is the center of the bullseye and the customer is at the center of the center. And understanding the customer and what drives their buying decisions and and so forth. But the center of the bullseye is very low cost. And so very high ROI. And uh, it's in the second ring where you start to, you know, get into more money and where you, you know, may be more, a little more challenged in terms of, you know, measuring the ROI. Because as you know, attribution is a a complex question. Always is, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Once you get the full multi-channel program going, you know, then you get into the more complex issues of attribution. But initially, companies tend to see very good ROI from those center of the bullseye programs and, and even the second ring. Yeah. We are in the business of helping companies to engage with their target market, but on a very salesy, you know, as you say, that appointment element is really a important for our clients. They want that appointment. They want a qualified opportunity. They want our activity to be very close to revenue. You I know, believe that it's critical to have a proper marketing strategist. If we are the bullseye, it's fantastic. We've got lots of things revolving around us. And, and I see our activity and marketing working together ends to end. We get clues. We get information. We get intelligence from marketing. We get intent. And then all that can create a story. It's a question of having someone there and, and maybe, you know, we speak about a function, 
that, that business development function. We actually spoke about with one of our guests recently, David Delaney. We, we spoke about the chief business development officer. So that, that person that sits between the CMO and the CRO and is supposed to get the glue, is supposed to join the dot and, and get those opportunities worked on up to a stage where they can be passed on. But it is, you know, you, you can have someone doing business development on their own from nothing, from a list of accounts, from an Excel spreadsheet, from the yellow pages, from Google, right? Their run rate will probably get to a plateau and you can't increase their performance. Then you add the marketing, the smart marketing, intent marketing, emails marketing, account-based marketing approaches. All those tools can really support that business development person to increase their productivity drastically. And I think that's really what it's all about. The human element is still very important in, in, in having a good business development person. But if you fit them, if you give them tools in the arsenal, you equip them to really get better. And we're talking about being better quarter on quarter. And we see that a lot because like you, we've got the chance to work with a wide spectrum of organizations. Organizations that already have a very complex technology stack versus people who are seed funding, they've got nothing. And the world is their oyster. And we can really see with those guys moving up to Serie A, B, C, D, IPO acquisition, what a journey it's been. You know, when you look back, you say, well, you know, we started there and then we managed to increase our productivity and we've done that. We are super... Something that we are supposed to do with 10 people, we actually manage to do it with five people. Because we don't work harder, we work smarter. And I think that's mm -hmm. what it's all about. It's about working smarter. Yeah. And as I said, it's about executing. You know, we have a term in the US, I don't know if you use the same term in, in the UK or Europe, first responders. Yeah. And, you know, first responders are like the police or the fire people or the emergency medical people who are on the scene of an incident, you know, some sort of tragedy. But I use that term and about a point you were making before about salespeople, that salespeople need to be first responders. That salesperson who, and there's lots of data on this, you know, the salesperson who responds in, in five or 10 minutes has a much higher chance of winning a deal than the salesperson who responds even an hour later. And it's something I learned from a client. I first heard this from a client who had software in the hospitality industry. And they had, one of the things that they had was a portal where organizations could post that they wanted to do a conference or an event, and then hotels and conference centers would, would see those opportunities and bid on them. And they said that the company, the hotel or conference center that responded first, won over 50% of the deals. And so even that simple of an improvement in what a company does can have a dramatic impact on the kind of revenue that they can generate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I sometimes compare it to marketing with exercise. I and mean, I saw that you like to do cycling, as do I. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of research that if you do two and a half hours of exercise a week, it has huge health benefits for people. And yet in the U.S., only about 20% of people do two and a half hours of exercise a week. And, you know, it's been promoted over and over again. And I've done research where I looked at 351 SMB B2B companies with about 50 to 1,000 employees. So these were not, you know, solopreneurs. These were not small startups. These were established B2B companies. And I looked at their marketing programs. I have a, a nine-point digital marketing scorecard. And there was a huge difference between the software companies where the median was that they were using two, seven of the nine programs and companies in all other industries, manufacturing, medical devices, 
professional services and a lot of channel partners where the median was that they were using only two or three of those nine programs. And so literally, just like with the exercise, 80% or so of companies are just not marketing hardly at all. And there's a huge opportunity for them to dramatically improve their results and their revenue. And when I looked at those companies and looked at how fast the growth was, the software companies that were scoring eight or nine were growing five times faster than the companies that scored zero to three. So Mm is the difference between, say, 7% growth a year or 30% growth a year. Huge differences that the most sophisticated marketers and the companies that were most committed to this were able to achieve. So that's the kind of opportunity that I, I think a lot of companies have. Yeah, well, I think uh, it's, it, yeah, it does make a lot of sense. And I could carry on that conversation for a long, long, long time with you, Louis, because it's really passionate about all the topics that we're approaching today. Unfortunately, we're getting to the end of, uh, end of our, our, our session today, end of our podcast. So I would like to thank you for your time, Louis. I would like to thank you for all the, the input, the example that you've been sharing with us today. I'm sure our listener and our audience will, will, will get lots of value from your input. Now, what is the best way to connect with you? If any of our listeners wants to know more about Bullseye Marketing, your book, your company, what you do, what's the best way to get in touch with you, Louis? So my Bullseye Marketing book is available on Amazon. I was just noticing that last month, a quarter of the sales were in Australia. So it was nice to see that it's getting attention in other parts of the world. And I am available. The company is Revenue and Associates. I can be emailed at Louis, L-O-U-I-S, at revenueassociates.biz. I'm on Twitter at Louis Gadima. I'm on LinkedIn, of course. So happy to hear from people uh, through any of those ways. And, uh, you know, would love to talk with people and, and what their experiences or what the reactions to what we've been talking about are. Perfect. Well, thank you. Many thanks for your time today. Uh, it was great to have you on the show, Louis, and we, I'm sure we will contact you again in the near future to discuss about some of our topics. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.